I'm Kirk Hamilton. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Jason Schreier. And we are finally here. We have finally, finally. all played a video game called Suicoden 2. We've done it. We've, we've all played it, it. And we've all completed it. We have finally defeated the Highland it. Army. Defeated the United the city beast states. Rune. Defeated the giant beast. Beast X multi headed. a big old wolf at beast. the end. The big old sure wolf. That I could explain why, if pressed. Because of the beast rune. I mean, well, come on, Matt. That's uh, what am I saying? It's because of the beast rune. It was because of um, the old beast rune. It was a beast with a rune. It did. Also. And to, it wasn't just a rune the that was rune a beast. And yes. the beast. And it healed with its right paw, which yep. is true of its most, right paw, most animals that paw. I know. The right paw was the healing paw. It's a good in tradition that uh, that like even though the entire game is about is a story about humans and conflict and shades of gray and political machinations, it always ends with some giant supernatural beast that like comes out of nowhere and it's just mm-hmm. like, hello, I'm the final boss. I mean, we already fought Necklord, honestly. I'm I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure it was that weird for the beast rune to no, be yeah, there it at was the end. Fairly I felt consistent like it, it followed along. Also, arguably, if you get what Jason deems the correct ending of the game. Game, the final person you fight is not the beast rune. That's true. It's Joey. That's true. Joey, aka Jack. We'll get to that. Let me uh let me let me kick us off here. <laughs> so um first of all, if you're listening to this, that means you're a Max Fun member. Thank you for supporting our little show. Yes. We very much appreciate Yay. it. We sure do. Um, and especially thank you to those of you sweet goat and heads who came out and s- decided to start becoming members just because of this. I'm especially especially happy for you guys. Um, so we are playing Sweet Code in Two, a JRPG from 1999, as a result of our predictions bet for 2022, really for 2021, but that applied in 2022. And short, long story short, I won the bet, and I got to say, "Hey, we're all playing Sweet Code in Two this year." Um, and we have been playing. If you missed the first two parts of our discussion, they were on the main Triple Click feed. You can go find Triple Triple Play Sweet Code in and Triple Play Sweet Code in Two, or Sweet, Part Two, Sweet Code in Part Two. <laughs> yeah, we um, didn't play. We code in one. I feel right, like we should just come out and say that um, right now. Nor and will now, we. Now ever. we have all finished the game, so this episode will, of course, be full of spoilers, as our beancasts always are. We will be ducking heavy spoilers for this entire game. Um, and yeah, let's get into the whole thing. I'm very curious as to how you both thought of it now that you've played the entire thing and whether the, the tremendous end sequence made up for your kind of your, your problems with the rest of it. Um, but yeah, there's lots to talk about. I think let's start with some overall impressions now that we've all played the whole thing. Um, Kirk, you literally just finished this game about 10 minutes before we started recording. So (laughs) it's freshest for you. If you want to give us your thoughts first, um, now that you've seen the entire thing, what did you think of it? Yeah, I did just beat it like 10 minutes ago. Um, while I watched the very ending on YouTube because I really do need to separate my impressions of this game from the experience playing it this time around, which I've been doing this whole time, and I'm really going to consciously do it here. I will just say that I had quite a few very annoying technical issues with the version of the game I was playing, my save file, a glitch that kept me from getting all 108 stars. I was downloading save files to try to load them up in the emulator that I'm using and <laughs> had various... So this, it was a very frustrating process that took a whole lot of time and was quite draining. But I think that I am able to just look at the ending of this game and the, the overall experience separate from those technical issues. I'll just mention them up front. As for how I felt about it, um, I liked a lot of stuff in the ending. I liked the way that the true ending, the perfect ending as it is called by fans, though I agree that it's with Maddie that it's maybe 
you know, you could make an argument for any of these endings being just as good as that one. Um, I like the way that that's doled out to you and the little hint they give you at the end of the credits, just maybe because I figured it out and I thought that was cool. And um, I liked a lot of the character stuff. I have some quibbles with other parts of it with some of the plot beats with the big reveal that Nanami isn't dead at the end. I sort of... I don't know, like I have pretty mixed feelings about that, but I also had mixed feelings about her death, so kind of mixed about that overall. Um, I thought there was a ton of repetition and padding throughout the final chapters that could have just not been there, which is, I think, true of a lot of video games in general and certainly of JRPGs of this era, where there's a really strong core to this story, but then there were so many beats that repeated where you'd fight the same person, especially what's-her-name, Lucia, is that her name? Yeah. You fight her like 17 times, and I was like, okay, look, I just met this person, what feels like to me just just now, and now it just I keep fighting her. So there was some stuff where I was like, this just is pacing-wise, they just needed to edit some of this out and just get to the good stuff and focus on the characters. In fact, her son is one of the three main characters of Sweet Conan 3. Mm. Oh, okay. Does does he also refuse to die and keep coming back again? And again, and again? Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> no, it runs in the family. Let's then. hope so. If you if he's in your party, so you know, I, mixed overall, mixed. But but I I really like the best stuff that this game is doing, despite having uh, complaints about other parts of it. Maddie, give us your overall thoughts, and we'll we'll get into specifics about Nanami and yes. the ending and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But for now, overall impressions of the game now that you've seen the whole thing. Uh Pretty rough time, as everyone knows. I I did like the last two hours of the total of 36 hours that I played this video game. More than any of the previous <laughs> so 34 one, one hours. of of the game you enjoyed. Um, probably because I wasn't facing any technical issues, and by the time I got to that point, I didn't need to use the walkthrough for whatever reason. I felt pretty confident about the, the final uh, battles. Um, I had a really good team by then so i was really p- powerful so i could just ace all the combat sides of things mm-hmm. and just actually organically explore rock axe which i think is a better way to play the game and the way that young jason played it and i think that allowed me to enjoy it more i i did have mixed feelings about nanami dying but i did feel like it was a better written scene than a lot of other scenes in this game Mm -hmm. and i felt like there was stronger writing or perhaps just a stronger translation for a lot of the last couple hours of the game with some exceptions but largely i thought the pacing worked pretty well i liked the final conversation with between ryu and joey in both versions um of the two endings you can get where you meet him again So yeah, just overall, I felt like there were some really strong moments at the end there. However, I don't feel like those moments make up for how onerous and tedious so much of this game is, which I've described in detail, but so much of recruiting, which I did the bulk of my recruiting in this final third of playing, so much of it was, do I have the right item or do I have the right person in my party? to get Mm -hmm. this person to come with me. Like those were pretty much all the people I had left. And that was like 80 people. Like it was a lot of people that I had left that (laughs) that was all I needed to do for them. And that is just not interesting. And I, I can't help but be disappointed that that's true of so many of the recruits is just simply a binary state where it just feels like, I don't know, popping kindness coins into somebody to make them be your friend. I mean, like that's the part of video games that I feel like we've progressed so far beyond. And is also the piece of this game that is like just doesn't hold up for me anymore and feels 
just boring. I mean, it's really hard to connect to that. Um, but I also know that all that extra padding, as annoying as it is, is why the end feels so impactful because it's like, oh, we came so far. I did all that tedious shit. And now I'm getting this emotional payoff and I'm rewarded by how hard I worked on all that tedious shit. And like, that trick just doesn't really work on me, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I feel like I'm so I'm like, well, what if I, you just did it in 10 hours? But <laughs> like, Maddie, I think that like the way you're engaging with the game in 2022 makes it more tedious than it would have been if you were engaging it with, engaging with it in 1999. And that's for a couple of reasons. One being that um, a lot of these, a lot of Suikoden 2's quirks have become are like seen as bad game design now and they're not stuff that would be in a game today like having to go through the same dungeon five different times or having to like Mm -hmm. like like the game just forcing a lot of repetitive stuff on you but also i think that like playing through this game with a walkthrough under the condition of like all right we gotta hit a deadline gotta play through this game okay but that's not i mean yes but let me finish let me finish let me finish because a part of the fun of a Suikoden game is not knowing where any of the recruits are, not knowing what you're going to have to do, and just going around and kind of organically finding them and getting so excited when you see someone with a portrait and knowing, oh man, I'm going to get to recruit this person and figure out how to recruit them and it's going to be really cool. And sometimes it's esoteric and sometimes you have to rely on like your private investigator to give you a hint about how to recruit them. But if you're playing it in a more natural way, I think you get a lot more enjoyment out of that and you can kind to look past the tedium a little bit it might even be more tedious because you'll spend more time like guessing and trial and error of like how to how to recruit each character but um i think that that when you're just following a walkthrough and just literally like like hitting check boxes and be like okay now i'm gonna get this person go to this place um sure then of course i, I it's guess it's like tedious. i just i would never i mean really the issue is just each individual thing about this game is something I don't enjoy. So I'm, I'm like, <laughs> like I'm like, I don't like walking around. What, I don't like navigating been... the UI. I don't like the venues. Yeah. I don't like the combat. I don't like organizing my item. Like it's like the list goes on. So it's like yes, <laughs> I do think every aspect of it is tedious, and doing it organically wouldn't have changed. Are you saying that. that you want me to give you 36 hours of your life back? Is that what you're saying, Maddie? I'm not actually because you offered to give me 36 hours or at least like 20 hours of my life back pretty early on in this experience. Like you were like, Maddie, if you really hate the game, you can stop. And I was like, no, I have this brain problem where when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And that's true of this. And I also feel like playing something that matters this much to a lot of people and seeing the ending and understanding why that would be really special to people was cool. I just am also like disappointed in certain aspects of it. So that's me, you know, that's that's how I'm going to feel about this game, I guess. Well, yeah, if you fundamentally don't like playing this game, then playing it in a more organic, relaxed way where you spend much longer playing the game yeah, isn't going like, to be that doesn't sound appealing. As a proposition. <laughs> yeah. No, of course not. No, that's why it's certainly not a game for everybody. I would, yeah. I would put yeah. it that way. Um, but I think if you try in your head to engage with it the way a RPG liking player might have in 1999, it kind of, the tedium is less tedious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the tedium is exacerbated. Well, 
a like i said i think it's it feels tedious when you're going through a walkthrough just like a lot of games would feel more tedious if you were just any point and click adventure game for example would be the most boring thing on earth if you were just flying a walkthrough and like okay i'm gonna now i click this to to solve this now i click this to solve this there's just nothing fun about that and i think the recruiting is the same way in that um they're all kind of little mysteries and riddles to to follow and that's not to say like some of them are esoteric and some of them you might not be able to figure out with a walkthrough but i but i think that without a walkthrough but i think that that kind of ruins the experience um so my overall impressions i think that like definitely uh a lot of the the i i also felt a lot of things were a little too tedious not the recruiting for me but um i mentioned this on a previous triple play but like having to go through the friggin green hill forest like five different times or the fact that you can't teleport to gregminster and you have to yeah. walk through that friggin forest to get there is really the ladders, a pain in the ass every yeah those friggin ladders oh mm-hmm. my god there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in this game that hasn't aged well um the inventory especially having only three pages of like a limited inventory space um yeah a lot of things bug me about the game having to switch formation every time someone enters your party and just menu around with that a lot of little tedious things bothered me but after I beat the game, I was reminded, oh, yes, this is like one of the most emotional stories that I've ever experienced in a video game. And the ending is kind of the the I mean, the ending is why. And I think that um, was kind of that context was missing from our previous conversations. And I had been eagerly waiting for you guys to see this ending to understand why Suicone 2 as a story works for so many people, especially Maddie, when at one point you were being like, Joey's motivations don't I make still any think sense. that though. Well, we'll, we'll get into that. that. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. But I, I, I still think that's my biggest compliment of the game though. And I said that at the time, like the fact that you're teenagers and that this is a very teenage story in a very pure way. And you feel like these two kids have been shoved into this war that's so much bigger than either one of them. And the idea that their destinies are magical is almost not relevant to me. I mean, yes, it's part of the mystery of why they're doing what they're doing and is there a better way? Um, But I do feel like Joey himself repeatedly expresses consternation and is is often like I don't know whether I'm doing this because I have to or because I do want to do it or not and I think that's cool I I like that like I like the fact that you don't really know why he's done what he's done well I mean he does kind of at the end of the game he admits I saw Luca Blight and I was jealous of his power and that really like he it's kind but he also has regrets yeah, of course. No, that's the that's the point. It's reminiscent of like at the end of Breaking Bad. Oh, you haven't seen Breaking Bad. Well, I it's know at, the end. It's like I do live what, in society. I do no, know don't. about Breaking Bad. Uh, there's a point. There's a point where after many many scenes of him just saying, "I'm doing it all for my family. I'm doing it all for my family," mm-hmm. he finally admits, "I'm doing it all for me." And that yeah. is Joey at the end of the game, where he's like, after all this kind of charade of saying. I am doing this for peace because the only way to real really bring peace to the realm is for me to take over. Uh, he finally admits, no, I was doing it all for myself. I wanted to be as powerful as Luke of Blight. I wanted to be king of Highland. And like he he had this devious scheme, everything from like poisoning the king to um to betraying Luke of Blight to like pretending to sacrifice his wife. All of that was in service of him becoming the most powerful person. And it's only like Ryu coming and whooping his ass that showed him that like, oh man, like I was in the wrong this whole time. That's that's Ryu's oh, that's Ryu, Joey's motivation. When I Ryu doesn't whoop his ass. He doesn't whoop his ass. He notably well, no, I mean, consciously does. I mean, whoops Highland's ass. Yeah, I mean oh, before. Sure. I mean, yeah, forcing true. Joey to. Yeah, I don't know. Face. I don't really see Joey that way. I mean, 
mean, it is true that he says he's jealous of Luca's power, but what really stuck with me more in that scene was his regret and the fact that he shows up to that place in the first place and is waiting for Ryu. Yeah, of course. Well, that's that's after like it was really like him. Uh, you could argue that Joey gradually realized he had been doing the wrong thing, but um, after Luca, when he betrays Ryu, he's still on this on this fantasy that he will become the 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 ruler of the world, and he is the only person who can bring peace to the realm. And Ryu better give up. Um, it's not until Ryu like really turns things around. And Rock accents watching Nanami die, I think, was a big part of Joey's yeah. kind of change. Like Joey demands Joey's... that his army retreats after he sees Nanami die, and he lets right, Ryu right, right. win, even and though then, they really didn't have anything and then later on when Ryu finally they crush Lorenoel and take out everybody I think that that's when Joey really realizes like wow my plan really fucked up but I think Joey's motivations make perfect sense they were just super selfish and like you can't you have to kind of read between the lines there but I want to zoom out for a second I want to talk about two kind of major incidents that happen at the end of this game that are the two kind of emotional bedrocks in which this game is held um First of all, Nanami. And I'm curious to hear both of your thoughts as to whether why you thought Nanami's death didn't work for you. Because for me, I think it's amazing. Like, I, I think that Nanami is this character who spends a large chunk of the game trying to convince you to run away with her, trying to convince you to give up because she believes that you guys are children and should not be fighting this war. And in fact, there's an entire spin-off ending that you can see where you actually go along with her plan and you run off to the woods together and go live in, live in a cabin. Um, but she spends a lot of time trying to get you to walk away from the war. And then here is this quote-unquote death scene where, as it turns out, she did not actually die, but is telling Shu that she wants to go off and, and leave you alone because she doesn't, she thinks that, that you won't be able to handle this if she's around because she sees you, like, diving on arrows to protect her and she realizes that she's kind of a liability there. So I find that really, really interesting, watching her whole storyline there. I'm curious as to why it didn't work for you guys. Kirk, you want to you wanna give some thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's related to my overall, like, to the way that this story as a war story didn't really do it for me. And I think that my critiques of this game story as, you know, a sort of grand story of war are a little bit tied in with the type of war story that it is. And that relates to this scene with Nanami and with a lot of the stuff that happens at the end. This is a kind of old-fashioned and to me less interesting sort of war story where the only people who matter are these select few people who make the decisions. You know, the leaders of the, the army, the people that you know. And I don't think that this game is very interested in the actual cost of war or in telling a story about war. And so it's this class, to me it just is this classic trope where you know, the only way they can make something matter is to kill, you know, a friendly character who you like and have been with the whole time because the world that they're portraying is really shallow and they just haven't really put very much work into talking about the thousands of people who are being killed in every battle and the, the horrible destruction that's being wreaked by this war that's happening. And so instead, it's like because this story is really just about this handful of people, the only way they can really make it land is to kill or, or appear to kill someone like Nanami. And so when that happened, I just sort of, it was a great scene. Like you, I agree with you, Maddie, that it, it was well written and the animations are lovely, which a lot of the you know most dramatic scenes in this game have lovely animations. But I just it wasn't that impactful for me because at the moment it's it's you know it's what shakes Joey 
out of it, at least for the time being. And I've just seen that so many times where I'm like, this is what shakes you out of it. You've killed so many people. You've done like huge genocides of like entire cities. Yeah. And, and I and I understand that it's like complaining about that is like not meeting the game story on its own terms, since that's not really it's not trying to make me care about those people. So, OK, even on its terms, though, it's just it doesn't really work for me. Like, I, I, I don't think it's bad or it's doing a bad job of conveying that because that's the kind of story that it's trying to tell. It's just that that moment is is of a piece with this story that's just so kind of focused on these 20 characters. And, you know, they're, they're all kind of playing God with one another's lives. And they'll occasionally play lip service to that fact. But you, I, I didn't really feel it that often. And and that scene, as a result, it's just sort of you, like... You don't think that it's meant to illustrate Joey's selfishness? Like, Joey doesn't care about all the people he's murdered. He just cares about his one buddy. Like, that's that's part of... That's been a theme all along. Like, you, the way you stop him from betraying you at Muse during that peace treaty, fake peace treaty, is by throwing Pilika at him, which is the other person he cares about. Like, that's that's been a theme for Joey all along, is that he doesn't care about these pawns these peons these kind of faceless soldiers he just cares about nor uh, the people who are close to him whereas Ryu it seems like cares about everybody so this isn't a critique of Joey's character because in the end it turns out that that's essentially true right that he is actually just a selfish person though it does call into question why the perfect ending is the one where he just gets to go hang out with Ryu but that's not really (laughs) what I'm saying it's more like why that scene why I kind of had some issues with it, despite the fact that it was well executed, was that it felt as though it was this, you know, it was a very emotionally manipulative scene. It was meant to make me super sad because here we are at the very end and Nanami sacrifices herself in the same way that, you know, I mean, <laughs> these JRPGs do like to kill their main female characters, right? I mean, like this is an heiress kind of thing where she was a big important part of my party and now she's gone and she's the only person who dies other than what's his name, Rando McRanderstein, who gets killed in the other battle. And he's actually the only person among the stars who actually dies. It's more like it's just the the overall feeling that, you know, we're so focused on these characters and it's this kind of small scale thing that's that's missing the broader context of what's going on when when it could be engaging with that in a way or like my mind is kind of engaging with that bigger stuff and the game is just like oh look your sister got killed now aren't you sad and then to to pull the rug out from it and be like actually she was alive and she's alive in all of those endings you just don't know about it and she did this which is also a trope no like, she's oh. not she it's because she only uh, do- the doctor only calls Shu in to talk to uh, them if you have the true ending. So she's not alive in all the endings. No, but I mean, like, but you can see the other endings if you have the true ending and you just never find out that she was alive. Like, if you just go watch the credits I th- roll. I think like I, Jason no, is supposing that there are sort of alternate realities here whereby Nanami actually is dead in the other two endings. Okay, well, be that as it may. I mean, I when I... Although I had the same question. I was also like, are, is this an alternate reality? scenario or what I, for some reason that also like kind of she's only alive if the bit. doctor calls in shoe after that but that's scene. a flash but the, no no this is just to, uh, this is a sidetrack no, I know, that's I'm not what sorry. i'm saying like if you're at the end of the game and you just go get the regular ending like you go into the meeting room and everyone's like hooray you did it you're leading the new kingdom 
and then it ends and it shows Joey waiting for you up at the pass. Like, even if you have all 108 stars, that just ends. And you don't ever find out that Nanami is still alive. That's what I'm saying. Like, Correct. you can end the game but, and not learn that she was still alive. But, but she's just... only alive. In the canon of the game, she's only alive if you got all 108 stars, right? Okay. So you can get that ending and, and have her be alive. You can also get that ending and have her be dead because she'll be dead okay. if you didn't get all 108 stars. Is the point. Yes, got it. That's... Yes, that is true. That's beside the point of what I'm saying. It's my gripe is with the whole, you know, you're too concerned about me. You care about me too much. So I'm going to fake my own death and leave my brother and abandon him. And it's like, what? Nanami would do that? Like, to me, it didn't feel in character that she would do that. That's a fucked up thing to do. So I don't know. Like, I I didn't buy that. That was the part I thought was really weird. Yeah, I I was very surprised by the explanation. I was expecting when she was depicted as alive for it to be Shu because he's depicted as this like extremely manipulative, cold character who doesn't sure. care about the kids and is always just sort of moving them around as pawns. I mean, talk about a selfish character <laughs> or self-aggrandizing character, perhaps. Um, I figured he would be like, uh, Nanami, we need your death to motivate Ryu in order for him to be the the true king that we need. So actually, I'm going to need you to pretend to be dead, and it's all for the best. I was expecting that to be how that scene played out. I thought it was very surprising, uh, character-wise, for Nanami to be like, no, I saw Ryu trying to sacrifice himself for me and putting himself in danger for me, and that's why I need to just pretend to be dead so that Ryu instead works hard for this new country and being a little boy king and stuff. And I just... it. It didn't really make sense to me because I always felt like, as Jason pointed out, Nanami was the person who was telling Ryu, like, we're kids and we don't have to do this shit. Like, why are we here? (laughs) And like, we should just bounce. But by the same token, it's also why I was so impressed by the secret fourth ending where Nanami and Ryu do run away. And I was like really impressed that's in there because it's so dark and weird and unsatisfying and yet also kind of brave that Sweet Coden 2 was like yeah we're going to include an ending where you just fucking leave I don't know it's like it's like how, what you make fun of games like Bioshock for doing where like you're the bad guy but you don't actually have an option to stop doing the thing that you're doing and like games never give you that option but Sweet Coden 2 is like oh do you think it's like disconcerting that Ryu is 15 years old and he's expected to be a king yeah here's where you can leave like that's kind of amazing like that makes up for some things to me because it's it is it's brave and it's it's one of the things that i'm like i get why people are complimenting this game even though i have some problems with ways certain parts of it hang together i'm like the fact that these multiple endings exist and they're so surprising even if the nanami ending i think is really strange i'm still I still respect the effort, you know, like I'm, I get what they were trying to do, even if it didn't fully land the plane for me. <laughs> that ending. So fun fact, if you go through with um, so you, you can the story branches at that point and you can actually go through with the events of that ending without actually getting to the ending. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a whole it's like basically a whole nother sequence of events will happen in Tinto instead of what you guys saw instead of the normal sequence, um, including you guys will get like rescued from an attack by by George Prime, who like appears out of nowhere and saves your asses. Um, also, what happens, which is interesting, is that Ridley dies and is replaced by his son, who's named Boris. 
um, if Ridley is the kobold leader from Two River City, mm-hmm. if you forgot. Um, and it's it's kind of interesting. It, it feels like getting that feels like you made a selfish decision and got one of your officers killed in the process, and then you decide to go back um, with kind of a sense of guilt and shame, and you have to kind of address that with the characters. So it's it's another kind of interesting wrinkle in that you can actually take that to near running away for good in mm-hmm. that you actually run away and, and see the consequences and then come unfold, back. Yeah. but then you actually come back. Yeah. That's cool too. I mean, I, I like that. It's almost like the path kind of diverges in twain and then it reconnects again and then it splits uh-huh. into three. I don't know. It's neat. I, I wouldn't have expected that from this game. And so I thought that was cool that it did it. Yeah. I like that kind of thing. Near Automata does that. There are a few endings mm-hmm. in that game that are, they're kind of treated as joke endings, but they're funny because they can just be read as well. You just chose not to go forward. And I was trying this whole time. I was trying to remember what's the game that does this really spectacularly. It was actually Far Cry 4. At the beginning of that game, you're, <laughs> you know, you're kind of absconded with by the warlord and he takes you. That's the, I believe Troy Baker is playing the leader of pagan men of this this war-torn nation, he takes you into his compound and he's serving you dinner and he's all being menacing in the very Far Cry way. And then you're supposed to get up at this one point when he gets distracted and escape and then you go begin your, you know, your ascent to the leadership of the revolution. But you can just stay at dinner. And then if you do that and you stay there for long enough, then you just eat dinner with him and the game ends. <laughs> and, and it's pretty great. And it's a simple, I mean, it's obviously that's that really is kind of a joke. But that kind of thing I think is really cool where they actually give you an off ramp. Every Yeah, all the Far Cry games have options like that at the beginning of the game. Um, so another couple of fun trivia facts, and then I want to talk about the ending a little bit. Um, so I don't know if you guys, so you know how you get two listening crystals from that one dude in the forest and you can use them to recruit animals. So who did you guys recruit with your two listening crystals? The bird, I guess. And I don't know. Oh God, I don't know. I think I got like a griffin of some kind, but that probably wasn't the the listening crystals. Yeah, there was was. one of them. Yeah, yeah. And then there's another animal that you can get. Is that in the cave? Yeah, there's one in the cave you can get. There's a lot of characters, Jason. You can get the octopus (laughs) from the cave, or you can go get the unicorn from the Tangar. Oh, I got the unicorn. So you use, I got the unicorn. You use the listening crystal to get the unicorn? Okay, I couldn't remember. That's, yeah. Okay, so. When you first meet the unicorn, it's one of my favorite moments in this game. (laughs) Okay, the unicorn's hilarious, period. Siegfried, is that his name? Siegfried. (laughs) Siegfried the unicorn. So if you don't get the unicorn, or I mean, Siegfried. Call him Siegfried. If you don't go get Siegfried. You can go get this this octopus named Abisboa who lives in the Tinto Mines. You can go Great. get him. And then if you save the other crystal and you decide, you know what, screw it, I'm not going to get all the stars in this game, in this playthrough, you can go back to the same place and get his octopus wife, Rulodia, which I've never actually done. But if you get the two of them, they will both live on your docks and they will have an octopus baby who also lives on your docks. Is his name Ultras? Ultras. <laughs> Ultras. No, that would be great. His name is Chu- Chuchara. Um, but That's this is just... A random little thing that they allow you to do if you want to screw yourself over and not get all 108 stars. You can just go get an octopus wife if you want. You can start breeding octopi. They should count her as a star. That's, yeah, they that's do not. ridiculous. Um, or maybe, yeah, they count her as a non-star. And also you have to get Feather because Feather comes with Ida and Ida is one of the stars. The right. Mm-hmm. right. Um, is Feather the griffin? Yes. Feather is the, the griffin, yeah. Um, 
Another, I, I won't, I won't go through all the like random little connections between all the different games. Let's go all over all 108 stars and discuss which cosplays <laughs> we're gonna do, because uh, we're all I mean, gonna be picking want, star sonas. And if you, we're going to be if you the want, other we can. Um, there's a lot of fun crossover. Just if 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 you are like a fan of the series, I mentioned this before, but there's a lot of one of the the things that people really get out of these games is how many connections they all have with one another. Whether it's character crossovers or 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 um, item crossovers or, or place crossovers. But um, yeah, let's talk about the ending. So when I was first playing this game, um, I did what you did, Kirk, where I first uh accepted um so what happens is you beat the game and then they say we're gonna start a new country and you can take on as its ruler and that's what i said sure i'm gonna be the ruler i saved the game before and i was like sure i'm gonna be the ruler and then at the end of that you see the the kind of credits and at the end of it it gives you a little hint and it shows joey waiting for you by uh the a cliff and then you remember, oh, man, at the beginning of this game, we said if we ever got separated, we would meet back at this cliff. And one of the coolest things for me ever in a video game was realizing I had to go find him back at the cliff where we said we would reunite if we ever got separated. And seeing him there was the coolest thing ever. Um, yeah, I bet. And then I realized that, like, uh, I don't think I had gotten all 108 stars the first time I played through it, so I couldn't get the true ending. But I realized that, like, I'm not going to fight you, dude. And uh, I think I got the, like, okay ending as a result of that. But but that feeling was so cool and it was like the type of thing that like only a video game could really pull off and that it was like really pushing you to go like go and, and live up to your promise that you made with this dude. That that to me like encapsulated what made this game special. Um, Kirk, you just had the same experience, right? You figured out where you had to go. Yeah, yeah. I had clocked that, you know, early on. And I remember from the first time that I played this game when you and I were doing little VG chats or whatever yeah, they were called ago. at Kotaku about it, having the same thought of that line, you know? It's because it's a pretty, they lampshade it pretty uh, hard. When yep. he says, if we're ever separated. If we're ever separated, let's come back here. And then I kept thinking, oh, well, this will happen at some point. And then, of course, kind of forgot about it because so much happens. And then saw that and realized, oh, well, that's where he is. Okay. Um, I don't know if I hadn't known that there was some true ending. I don't know that I would have necessarily figured that out but I bet I would have and it was definitely cool to go there and that moment of seeing him and having the game you know confirm your suspicions is really cool and I would imagine yeah if I were younger and hadn't seen games do stuff like this you know in the past I it would have been really incredible I don't know that I would have figured out not to attack him in the fight to get yet another ending I think I would have thought that the ending where you kill him is the was the true ending um but uh still really cool yeah, I didn't figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I think they they throw you another hint at the end of the game if you get the like the sub like the the okay ending instead of the great ending. They'll give you another hint. I would say the killing Joey for everything that he did isn't such a bad ending. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. So there's kind of a throwaway line where I believe it's Le- uh, Lechnot talking mm-hmm. to you guys. And Lechnot, by the way, yeah. is like this, still don't know anything about her. She's like the supernatural she's being. She's just the deus ex machina. She's, she <laughs> appears in all five of the main secreting games. And she's always uh-huh. just like, wherever there's a true rune to be found, I will be there. It's a, it's, it's kind of a Wherever crazy there's a thing. plot that needs to get underway, I will make sure it gets underway. <laughs> it's so interesting. And in the, in the kind of mythos of the Suikoden world, there are 27 true runes. And so far in the five games, I guess not so far since the series is dead, but like in the five games, you see like a good chunk of them and they're all really interesting. There's some interesting kind of 
paths and crossovers and as like world building goes that works i mean elden cool ring i was i was looking at all the runes and realizing how elden ring isn't that different with all the outer gods and there are these mm-hmm. different gods with different aspects who are kind of working their will upon the world in different ways and then you wind up caught up in that it's not really so different and i mean obviously there are lots of other fantasy no, it's worlds not really that, that different similarly. yeah it's exactly the same and really the, the games <laughs> overall are very similar they're yeah. identical i would say yeah elden i think ring, so yeah elden ring's kind of a sweet code um, to rip off if you really think about it yeah anyway what I was saying was like that uh, Joey is like I killed so many people I killed Annabelle I killed so many people um, yeah and Lechnad is like, oh, it's okay. Go see the world. It was, it's kind of a weird moment. I no, it's whack. I mean, translation there. it reinforces that kind of focus I was talking about that sort of that leaves me a little cold where the game is just so wholly unconcerned with the actual, you know, horrible ravages of war. I'm not saying it has to be Saving Private Ryan or whatever, but like a little bit of something maybe um, mm-hmm. would would have worked a little better. For yeah, me. I, I don't know. I think the game is concerned with it. It's just that in this case, it it. it the, the the lesson it's like leaving you with is that friendship is more important than all the devastation you cause. I don't know. It does leave a strange taste in your mouth to be like, it's like oh, a, it's an aristocracy story. Ending. It's a story about aristocrats. It's about the people in charge. And it so is. we fundamentally only really care about their, you know, trials and tribulations. It's an old fashioned kind of story, but a common mm-hmm. one. Except Ryu is a lowly tarnished. I mean, he's an orphan. <laughs> Well, and he's kind of the least interesting character. I mean, honestly, Joey's story is the story of this game that is, like, interesting. I mean, when you see just the little cutscenes of him and with his, you know, like, kind of false marriage and he's with, yeah, and he's working all of these angles. But she loved him, Kirk. I mean, talk about female characters who really started to bother me, but boy, (laughs) Jillia's storyline wasn't a fan of any of it. At least he didn't actually sacrifice her in front of everyone for a second. I I was like, damn. It was pretty wild that, like, right after Nanami's death scene, we go to him stabbing Jillia, and then it's like, just kidding, she's not dead. Interesting foreshadowing mm-hmm. there. Now that I lay it out like that, actually, um, but mm. I I didn't care for that just in general because I was like, I don't understand what's going on. Like, oh, yeah. is is Joey super evil or not? Like, to what extent is he in on this? And then when she comes into the room and she's like, actually, Joey, I, I do really love you, and I've always loved you, and don't apologize to me. I was like. He should probably be apologizing to you, though. Like, I feel like he's yeah. not been a super good partner. And now you have to live your life on the run and hiding because he had to pretend to kill you for, like, the beast rune or whatever and to keep up appearances. That seems kind of messed up. <laughs> yes. So just to be clear, when I say that Joey has a more interesting story, he raises he does, those kinds though. of questions. And yeah. No, no, I know. But he, he has those kinds of, like, conflicts and he's a conflicted character and the actual the actual execution is is dicey and kind of all over That's the place. The but the issue with this game, generally for yeah. me, is that I'm like, there's some cool ideas, but the execution, no, I don't know. <laughs> well, the the translation is truly a travesty. And there's the challenge that you're playing as this silent protagonist who just has to be this everyman who kind of rises to be in power. But and everyone talks about your legendary prowess, but and he's not really a character. And how charismatic I am, supposedly. Yeah. I always think that's funny when people say I'm so <laughs> right. Yeah, Kirk. It's kind of the scales are kind of weighted here. You can't. Of course, of course. You can't yeah. compare a silent protagonist. Like he's not a person. He's not well, a character. Well, I mean, but the game puts me in the position of comparing them because I spent all 
all my time playing as this kind of boring blank slate when this more interesting conflicted guy was right there. Yeah, it's true. Um, I wonder, I I guess even if he talked, he would just be such a Mary Sue that it would just be boring. Right. uh, He's he's not really a character. No, he's just kind of a cipher. Yeah, he's fine, I guess. I don't know. I I feel like the few times Ryu does talk, I'm not really that interested, to be honest. But (laughs) yeah, I I wasn't... (laughs) I didn't like Julia. I I was sad about her storyline. Glad she's alive, I guess. Pillika is another example. I mean, this is like yeah. this is a 1990s video game thing where I just have to be like I have to evaluate it by those terms and be like, okay, well, the female right, characters the, aren't going to be treated the same way. <laughs> right. Or the the other female characters who are essentially genderless just right. warriors, which there are plenty of them and they're cool and they have cool character designs, but they're mm-hmm. barely characters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's um you have to I mean engage with it on its own terms. Also a Japanese game in the nineteen nineties, like like And Japanese based on an ancient for... Chinese book. Like it's like yeah. I, yeah, I could also complain about gender politics in the Iliad, but is that a good use of my time? <laughs> I don't know. I mean yes, it kind of is if I'm writing a a master's thesis be. about it. It could be. Um so I think they should have put the Star Dragon Sword in charge of everything at the end. That's true, Star Dragon is, Sword is maybe is the best character. Yeah, in the game. I like to when he yells at Victor. <laughs> All the time. You would just yell at everybody. I do like the funny parts of this game. I'm sure if the game were funnier, I would be complaining about the wild tone shifts like I did in Final Fantasy VI. But it is true that there are some pretty funny parts of this game. I thought Necklord was pretty funny in the end. Um, I don't know why he's in the game. Can I relay my favorite line from that? Here we go. (laughs) I'll make sure you can never make that grin again. I'll chop you up, grind you up, dry you in the sun, break you to pieces, bury you in the ground, piss on you, then I'll dig you up, pull you, stretch you, drag you around, and then, and then, in any case, I'll never forgive you. (laughs) In any case. I laughed. I will admit that I fully laughed. That was very, very funny. Was that Victor saying that? Yes, Victor Victor... just losing his, oh man, especially the pathetic ending of that. And then, in any case... I'll never forgive you. <laughs> it's like after Bizarre. I pissed you and stretched you and dragged you around and killed you and buried you, I'll, I'll also never forgive you. That's you, the really really you hurt my feelings, Necklord. Yeah, I feel like that has a funny response too from like whoever he's yelling at, where they're like, it's "Oh, Necklord, really? and he go on d- long yeah. enough." Yeah, I mean, Necklord is just fun. such a pun. Necklord, uh, yeah, he killed Victor's uh, girlfriend, Victor's lady. Oh, yeah, right, right. Daisy. Right. We got to that. see her head fall off. Uh-huh, that was cool. True. Remember that? Yeah, that, well, that was a fake version <laughs> that's of her. That's pretty sick. Um, the, oh, yeah, right. It was like a doll or the, whatever. The best, a little bit later, uh, the best line in the game is yeah. when Shu sets a forest on fire with him inside and Leon mm-hmm. confronts Leon Silverberg and Leon is like, uh, this wasn't in the book. And Shu is like, I had to throw away the book. You read it too many times. It's just That was a great scene. It was great. I wish they had, the resolution of that scene was a little odd that it took place with Victor saving him off camera and you uh-huh. couldn't really see what happened. Yeah. But that actual moment of them because you're meant to think it's a fake out then you think he's died he's dead and right and like having the two strategists on the battlefield with fire and bodies all around them like that's the kind of stuff it's a a really grand thing it's really blown out but that's cool like i would have loved to see more of that where you zoom to ground level after these world battles, which are so abstract and kind of pointless, uh-huh. that then getting to see these scenes of like, especially the two strategists. I mean, that's a classic scene, right? Is the the two guys who've been pulling the strings and, and doing this battle um, yeah. suddenly are on the ground facing one another. It just it did resolve off screen in a way that I found unsatisfying, given how cool the scene and the setup 
both work. It was so mm-hmm. cool. And yet it is also reminding me of Apple's storyline, another female character that I was deeply disappointed yeah, by. Yeah, what happened yeah. with Apple exactly? It seems in the like end? she just kind of had a weird crush on Shu slash wanted yeah. to be loved by him or at least respected by him. And he kind of never really fully did respect her seemingly. And she was just always sort of vying for his approval in ways that I found really depressing to watch. And the payoff for it didn't really happen. Like her ending was yeah. just kind of... She went off and did her own thing. I mean, I was honestly glad they didn't get married or something. Like, that would have been really messed up. But, <laughs> she has uh, a little bit more payoff in the third game, actually. Oh, so. she comes back. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't like back. that she was always depicted as, like, well, she's a strategist, but, like, she's not that good. I was like, yeah, why, well, why do you have thing. to do that? <laughs> yeah, that surprised me as well. I mean, yeah, it sucks. It sucks because she's the one woman strategist, and mm-hmm. that's—but— uh, it, it's true. Like, she's not that good compared yeah, to, Yeah, great like, her, point. Yeah. Her, that just, I yeah, mean, well, maybe no, women just, are I mean, look, we can only just report the facts here. <laughs> yeah, Apple is just facts. not as good as she <laughs> She sucks. What's really funny bad, is that, but, you know? so Leon Silverberg, there's like this, the sweet code in lore is that there's this clan of people named Silverberg and they're all brilliant strategists. And so in the next game, what sucks even more, so I haven't played Suikoden 3 in a long time, <laughs> um, but in Suikoden 3, Apple's job is to be the tutor for this guy named Caesar Silverberg, who, because it's in his what blood, is another master strategist. And Apple oh just kind of plays second fiddle to him. I don't remember if she like winds up getting some like awesome moments or if she Probably just is not. like a real. second fiddle again to us to like a dude. I mean, she just doesn't have the genes for it. Yeah, she's she, genetically I mean, she's not, not a strategist. Well, that's the thing. This this series, yeah, it's all about you. Got to have those strategist genes, yes. or else, uh, it's or else what are you gonna do? I mean, it's also, like, very funny that the game, I mean, not intentionally funny, that the game sort of treats wartime strategist as this incredible job that, like, some people are cut out to do, and <laughs> everybody knows the names of all the best strategists of all time, uh-huh. even the retired ones, and it's like, oh, there's only a, a couple guys who are good enough, and of course they end up facing off in the end, and it's like... They're the true just gamers. A matter, yeah, they're the, they're the true gamers, and they are the ones who will mm-hmm. win in the end. Why isn't the game about Shu? You know, then it'd be like an RTS. That sounds fun. Shu is, I mean, Shu is a very interesting character. Interesting like character. one of the few. A lot of these characters didn't make too much of an impression, but he's Shu, one granted, that does yeah. And he has that position, but also the the way that he's drawn is is interesting. Like that type of very cold person who has to make those sorts of decisions. Mm-hmm. That can be a very interesting character, and they do some cool stuff with him. It's not fully fleshed out. They don't quite land it but but I did appreciate um, what they were doing with him mm-hmm. yeah um, this game probably should have had a little less uh, like I don't know a little a couple fewer missions maybe and a little bit more story stuff <clears throat> because the story stuff is what works best but a lot of it just feels so abridged feels so short feels so hampered by the lack of proper translations um, mm-hmm. yeah Something that I really was struck by on this playthrough of the game is just how bad the tactical combat is, the like grid-based strategy battles are. Um, yeah. I did not I no remember how all. bad they were. I did not remember that um, all of them were scripted except for the last one um, and that it doesn't matter at all who's in which party, even though there's an entire mechanic. I don't know if you guys realize there this. There is, go, yes. You talk to Apple, you can rearrange your party. There are all these it special abilities. I found that at the very end. I just... 
was like, well, what's this dialogue option? Uh, and then suddenly I was like, oh, what? Like, yeah. Why would anyone do this or care? And uh-huh. none of it matters. Yeah. yeah. Well, you probably, you guys probably also didn't explore the castle and find all the mini games because there are like 10 different mini games you can do. I found some of them, but I those the at least are fun one. and funny and, and cool. Rope like, climbing. There's whack-a-mole. There's, I did um, whack-a-mole. Yeah. Did you guys take baths with your party members? Yep. Okay. Um, what I'm saying is I played them build all. Build the statue. Did you guys build a statue? I didn't I have did. all the right plans to build the statue, sadly. And I realized no, yeah, I, I didn't I want them. And I didn't want no. a statue. So, um, Did you guys read all the old books um, in the library? No, I collected some books for the library, but I didn't really go super far into that. So those books, actually, some of them are, are useful uh, hints at, like, party members, which is uh, uh, one way sure. to get which again is like part of the organic experience of discovering it is like doing that. And you guys did not do the cooking mini game, right? You did not. No, see I did it. it. I, I mean, did I didn't complete times, it. Yeah. Um, but I, it did seem like it would have gotten really wild if I had completed it. It's an entire it. like There's going to be some line. type of conspiracy yeah. involved with the cook it's or crazy. whatever. It's yeah. crazy. Yes, it's a crazy plot like line. Like he was a member of the Sweet Coated Illuminati or something. I don't know. It, got real, it started getting real weird. And I was like, this is, this is well, wacky. The, but uh, yeah, I got I mean, recruiting to do. Mm-hmm. The Iron returned. Chef, Iron Chef Illuminati is, is oh cool, very, <laughs> very entertaining. It seemed fun, yeah. But yeah, no, it's uh, another thing that I think would have made uh, like if I were making a sweet coding game today. Another thing I would do is more um, kind of reasons to keep exploring your castle, more like interactions between party members. Maybe you stumble upon like two different characters talking about something because there's definitely a lot of room for fleshing out the characters, and a lot of it is just kind of whether reading reading between the lines whether it's like using Richmond your private investigator to like find out more about them um or just kind of like I don't know reading looking stuff up based on previous games or whatever but there is a lot of like richness that's and some of it is only just hinted at um which I think is a shame yeah I think that uh somewhere this something this game doesn't have that subsequent role-playing games do have is a reason to put different characters in your party a story-based reason and you don't really get that in this game which would have gone a long way just a couple little scenes you know you're in camp and it shows you have a conversation with one of your npcs because they're in your party or you know there's not really a way to have banter in this kind of game where your party only appears in combat but obviously that's something that bioware games do where you're walking around and characters are talking to one another that kind of thing just gives you a little bit more character which a little goes a long way in a game where there's so little dialogue for each character to begin with i mean even i loved the um some of the little epilogues the characters got like even those could be very characterful for characters that i didn't know that well vicky's a good example her her epilogue is vicky drank too much champagne and accidentally teleported herself off somewhere <laughs> which is hilarious and, it's amazing. and like very and very in line with her character is that she's kind of flaky and you know yeah. obviously it's because she's teleporting all the time which sort of tracks with her abilities and that kind of thing is funny um i i appreciated that so you don't need a lot to give me a good sense of the character i have a stronger sense of her than i do a whole bunch of the other people mm-hmm. that were you know that were in my castle by the end so, you know, a little bit more of that, like a little more in the field. And then a reason also to change up my party, which I really very rarely did, um, just because there isn't really a reason to. 
Yeah, well, so the problem is, yeah, you don't need to. I think one of the things that people do who, like, are into this game is they try different parties because there are all sorts of Unite attacks that you can see, and a lot of them are fun to watch, mm. fun to watch unfold. Um, it's fun to just, like, level up different party members. But, yeah, I mean, there aren't... Once you have your, like, party that just wrecks everything, you don't really need to experiment that much, which, yeah, is too bad. I will say... I really do like the moment when you and Joey fight yeah. together uh-huh. and you do your unite attack, which seems so overpowered in the beginning. But then, of course, you take, you lose it for the whole game. And then at the very end, you know, you after Na- yeah. Nanami gets injured, you do it and you just crush those guys with it. That that was a cool. Well, and also Joey's rune. You can use his black sword like fourth yeah. power for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Like the unbelievable cutscene plays while swords rain out of the ether <laughs> yeah, and destroy this guy. But he it's has like badass. this evil black sword power that, Don't of course, you're never going to get to use again because He's not going to stick sure. around in your party for very long. But it is, yeah, it is fun getting to beat up on the worst character in the game, Gerudo, like mm-hmm. the worst person that that probably even worse than Luca Blight in some ways because <laughs> he's yeah. like the sniveling, like at yeah. least the two doesn't fake anything. Luca Blight knows who he is and doesn't doesn't hide it. He does. He's just a sociopath, plain and simple. I I did kind of feel weird about the portrayal of Lucia, like one of the few characters of color in the game, and like she's. I thought she was going to be depicted as sympathetic in the end, and hopefully she is in the next game. Is this Jason? Because, I mean, you play as her kid, and it's, like, clear that she's in the right, Mm -hmm. but you have to fight her, like, six times. I thought that was really weird. I feel like it's... only fight her twice? Three times. And the third time is the one that feels like too many, because after the second one, she's kind of like, okay, well, you beat me. So so it goes, you know, I don't agree with you. Well, after the third one, Teresa finally comes up and is like, well, look into what happened with my father. <laughs> but, then, but no, because Teresa comes up in the second one and says that. And then in the yeah, third right. one, Teresa has to be like, I already told you this. Right. right. It's one too many. It's yeah. yeah it's and it's, it's weird because it's like, OK, so this character who's like part of this mysterious tribe and is like one of the few brown characters like goes to this white lady and is like, you betrayed my father or whatever. Your father betrayed my father and th- all this stuff happened in our past that you don't know about. And she's like, OK, I'll look into it, which is like, I don't know, kind of awkward to begin with. But then the conclusion initially well, is we'll, that we'll start a blue ribbon committee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll uh, paint some crosswalks in your We'll honor. have a report for you to, to look <laughs> yeah. into that. We'll, we'll raise know. awareness about it. Uh-huh. Um, We're gonna do, we'll do some tweets. <laughs> Bipartisan but then, commission. But then Lucia is then immediately like, all right, I'm, I'm going to Highland Army. I'm going full evil. And it's like, really? You want to do yeah. that with this character who has this like interesting, complicated Yeah, it, and it doesn't really complaint? make sense she's there are a couple of moments like that and it's so it's like beyond third act it's like 18th act when lucia shows up and it's like this is kind of an interesting plot line like maybe this should have been introduced earlier on i felt that way pretty often in this game with like some of the underbaked characters so there are a few things there are a few things where it feels like they're just dangling threads for the sequel because lucia like i said i mean so she gets uh, the redeemed. The third game I it takes place. Well, she doesn't even need redemption in the third game because she's just this badass like warrior mom mm-hmm. in the third game. In the third game, it takes place in uh, an area to the north of the of Jouston, and one of the areas is called the Grasslands, and that's where uh, Lucia's tribe is, and you get to meet her tribe and uh, one of her. I think he's mentioned uh, for a second in this game. This guy named Beecham, who is like her her husband and bodyguard, but um, he becomes a proper character in that. There's also so I don't know if you guys remember, there's a character named Sasarai from Harmonia who shows up and like him and Luke have it out for a second. Um, 
but that's another just like kind of a, a hint at what'll happen in the third game because he's a big part of the third game. There's a character named Uber. I don't know if you guys remember. I remember Uber. Uber. Uh-huh. Yeah, Uber. How could I forget? <laughs> yeah, really. So Uber, forget Uber. Uber also shows up for a second in the first game, but then he has a proper role in the third game, um, where you find out a little bit more about like what his deal is. Okay. Yeah. Um, All this stuff ter- is why George R. R. Martin likes these games so much, right? Exactly. Well, hey, Game of Thrones, it's legit. Legit comparison. But it's like, is that a good thing in and of itself? Just that there's so many characters? I mean, no, I, I kind of no. knew a little more than just. But it is a good thing that, like, you have this game, sequence of games where they're all tied together and there's some really cool stuff that, like, if you're committed to it, you can get a lot out of it. I think that's a good thing because there aren't a lot of game series like that. That's true. But I personally sure. find it more rewarding the more I get to actually hear from any given character rather than simply recognizing them. Like my favorite characters are the ones that are like Victor. Cause I feel like I know that guy and I'm not necessarily. Yeah, That's, that's inevitable. I mean, you can't, yeah. when you have a game with a hundred characters, you're going to only have a few who actually matter. In fact, there's always one. I always laugh when I see him. There's a guy named Marlo who you meet in Tinto and joins your party. He is, is he the officially... one who's like, I'm weak and I can't yes. do anything. Yes. So he is officially, um, the, uh, worst character in the game because he's <laughs> right. the only member of your 108 crew who doesn't have any Anything to offer in the castle, can't fight in army battles, and can't fight in normal battles. He's the Incredible. only member who doesn't do anything. I um, feel like he didn't misrepresent himself, so I really can't judge him. Like, I met him, and he was like, I have nothing to offer your army. And yep. Ryu's and just like, and he has you're in. Offer. Yep, yeah, yeah. I need 108. Um, by the way, Lily, uh, <laughs> the you, the girl Lily in Tinto, she becomes a full-fledged party member in Suicoden 3. Um, mm. So there, there are a few. There, there are a whole bunch of crossovers and paths. And, and interesting kind of tie-ins that will happen. Like and the ancestors of these characters. You guys will find yeah. out about this next year when we all play Sweet Garden 3. <laughs> the look on Maddie's face mm-hmm. right now. I wish everybody could see I it. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. I can't <laughs> even joke about that yet. I don't think I'm emotionally ready to joke about that yet. Maybe ask me in like a week, you know? I, I will. What year did it come out? Which, <laughs> I feel like I need to look next... up what years every Suicoden came out before I even agree to, came to out make a predictions bet again. Two, um, I believe. It's really no, I I wouldn't make you play that one because it feels weird. Yeah, no more Suicoden games in prediction bets. Is, is my vote. I think I think what we'll do is next year we'll do a triple play of Aiden Chronicles, which is the the modern spiritual successor, and it'll be fascinating for us all. I'm not going to force us all to play I through the entire wait thing. For all the references to like shoes great granddaughter well it'll and, be like, so interesting well they don't have the ip so like there's legal oh, questions there right. yeah they can't um, so that. it'll be so interesting to see like how that game holds up and if it's like how modern it feels versus how many like antiquated yeah. uh, aspects of secret and they took i mean as much as much as i'm ready to be done playing this game i'm happy to have this extra context you Me know too. For, for games that are out now just like just like any old game when you play it it gives you a little bit yeah, more literacy so. and i've i've certainly found that interesting and, and helpful me too and and talking to people who are really into this game has been illuminating for me even though i don't understand them and you're all aliens to me um like our our old colleague joshua rivera really likes this game for example and i was talking to him about why and he was like honestly like the beginning is really strong and the end is really strong and the middle is tough and i was like you know what i can't disagree 
I really can't disagree, man. Like, you start out being a child yeah. soldier in this weird child army, and that is what the game is about. It's part of why I'm willing to be kind of forgiving of how ridiculous Joey is, and even the fact that, like, Nanami's choices are bad, or because I look at this, this game and I'm like, this is a game about children. Like, they're children, they're making bad choices. So that's kind of interesting. It's interesting to make a game about that, and there's some cool moments in here, and I never, I'm, I'm so glad I'm free. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you two uh, went with me on this journey to play one of my favorite childhood games. And uh, next time, well, I already picked a, di- a very different type of game for next year, but I promise I will not force you two to play uh, another 40 hour childhood JRPG again. You guys have had it with two, two is enough. <laughs> Uh, next time we'll do something totally different. Well, I mean, eventually we're going to run out of games you played when you were 12. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. we got to get to 13, exactly. 14. Got to get to some new, some new ages. Yes. yes. Yeah. Or maybe even something from the past Ooh, decade. Fingers Just crossed. to throw a crazy idea out there. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe we'll play an 80-hour JRPG from 2019 uh, or something like that. Or, I, Honestly, maybe, I wouldn't. Or maybe not a... 100-hour JRPG at all. <laughs> I think he means Persona 5, Kirk. I think you'd well, be okay I'm with that one. Right Are there games that aren't JRPGs? Yeah. I'm glad you guys went on this journey with me. Maybe one day you'll both be like, you know, I want to play the rest of the Suicoden series. Or maybe you won't. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I don't think I <laughs> or will. Or maybe not. I... Maybe you'll watch them on YouTube or watch a Let's Play of them one day. I don't know if I'll do that either, but I do genuinely like being conversant is it is it conversant or conversant i'm realizing i've never said that word out loud yes, i would say conversant in in genres that aren't my favorite i mean i i joke around on the show about how i don't like this, this game i mean of course i don't but i genuinely do like trying stuff i don't regret playing it i wouldn't have played it all the way to the end if i didn't feel that way i would have bailed out people can go way back to the split screen days i wasn't technically participating in the bet but i did bail out on bloodborne which might shock people to learn because i'm such a souls so is souls pilled freak now um but but at the time i was like i'm really not digging this and i'm not going to keep playing it and i didn't so I guess on some level I wanted to play Sweet Coden too. You did. Um, the masochist in you wanted to play it. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah. This has been this has been quite a journey. It's been a lot of fun for me. I'm yes, glad uh, that you both got to <laughs> experience it. Maddie, I'm sorry that you went through hell. Uh, I'm for just so excited hours. to read all the archive of our own fanfics about Ryu and Jowie now, uh-huh, finally. Uh-huh, so I've, uh-huh. I have had to wait till I get to the end of oh, the man. game. Oh man, send me the best ones that yes. you find. Well, I, I mean, we didn't even talk about the reading that they are lovers, <laughs> I which can see is it. a very, very common It, it uh, is uh, kind of logical. I mean, yes. it makes sense mm-hmm. as to why Ryu would spare him at the end. Well, and also that Ryu just kind of rejects the advances of this hot girl, Ellie, who is constantly hitting <laughs> That's her. true. He does. Um. Yeah, he does. And Joey's in a sham marriage. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, Joey's in a sham marriage. Um, it's true. There is, yeah, there's a lot of evidence to, mm-hmm. to them being lovers. Star-crossed lovers. Romeo and, I mean, their names are Ryu and Joey. Romeo and Juliet, man. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. I know that. This has Netflix's been, first kill. This has been a pleasure. Looking forward to whatever, whoever wins has next been. year, whatever we have to play. And of course, big thank you to all of you out there who, either, whether you played along with us or just listened, um, thank you for subscribing to the show, for being a member, and thank you for listening. Yeah, see you all next time. All right, see you guys next time. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. 
Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you're listening to this bonus episode, it means you're already a member, so thank you. We really appreciate your support. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. Okay, cool. Ready? Mm-hmm. Jason sips from his giant goblet of water, his stein of water. <laughs> it's blood. If you excuse me while I just drink from my <laughs> reservoir. Have you, have you never seen this before? I haven't ever seen it. I don't think I've seen it so full. Nice. Or I just seemed remarkably full right just now. Just a bunch of surface tension. I drink from this constantly. Yeah, it's good though. I'm surprised you you um you don't have a lid on I it. I always just have a normal mug. See, I have a sippy cup with a lid because there's just too like there's too much stuff in here, yeah. and I will knock it over. Yeah, it's dangerous. and it will go into whatever the most expensive I, thing. I like I like the danger. It's part of why I use a mug for water so I can hold it. <laughs> yeah, right. I guess. Well, see, I have the mug too. I like the adrenaline rush of of never <laughs> anything knowing. to get out of talking about sweet coden too. Am I right, folks? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about our drinking. No, I want to talk about sweet coden too. Okay, okay, okay. Let's go. Here we go.